0: Ladies and gents, uh, welcome back to another Engineer's Podcast. Uh, today, we've got Lucas. Lucas is an engineering manager down at Spendesk. And he's going to give us a really interesting journey into what Spendesk have done over the last four years, specifically two years. So, Lucas, big hello. How are you? Yeah, Elliot. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm great. Good man. We're finally here. Uh, we had a funny episode last week trying to record um, where we had Lucas stuck in the room, or stuck outside the room, his Macbox stuck in the room. So yes, you're here. <laughs> I'm glad.
1: How are you? Yeah, I'm good. It's problems we wouldn't have had during COVID, right? Because I would have been at home, and my home is only one that room, it. So it would have been easier, right? <laughs> That's it. That's it. Uh, give us a little bit of an idea
0: into... Uh, who Spendesk are and your role at Spendesk. Set the scene for us.
1: Yeah, definitely. So Spendesk is a, is a company that was created in 2016. So we are, basically we're providing payment methods to companies so that we make B2B payments as easy as B2C payments, right? So yourself, when you have to pay for something, you have your card, just go to the shop, right? Buy something and then you go home, lose the ticket. You don't care, you don't even get it sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and it's as easy as that. And at the end of the month, you have the transaction in your bank account. Fine. Uh, for businesses, it's way harder than that. Uh, whether you pay by cards, you do an expense claim, you do a wire transfer. It's just very hard. The process is very long. You have to get approval. You have to get the card for your boss. If the boss is in holidays, you know, doesn't work. You have to wait a week. Yeah. Um, and basically, Spendesk makes that whole process really easy. We provide yeah. a SaaS tool. So a web app and iPhone and Android apps as well. Uh, so that every person that has something to do in the payment process for B2Bs uh, is, uh, is just as an easy way to do what they have to do. So get approval, get the payment method. You can generate virtual cards, that sort of things. And the finance team can also bookkeep everything easily uh, in the app automatically sometimes uh, if we can detect things directly on your ticket um, and push that into you know any bookkeeping or accounting software you may have.
0: Nice. So that's okay. what Pandas does. Good. Don't give us too many spoilers because we're going to touch on this further down the line. What have you been doing over the last two years?
1: So myself, yeah, I, I just noticed I didn't answer your, your first question about me, but uh, basically I'm, I'm the head of engineering. Nice. Um, it's basically acting as a as a CTO for the company, right? So managing the engineering team, defining the strategy, the technical strategy, um, making sure we're delivering the right products at the right time. Yeah. Uh, and making sure our engineering team is uh, as happy as it can, because as you may know, the market is really uh, tense and competitive at the moment. So we need to make sure that everyone really loves working at Spendesk, so that no one would think about going elsewhere.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. I agree with that. I agree. Yeah. Um, last couple. Of, so last couple of years. Tell us a little bit about what's changed. Don't go into too many details in the engineering front, but you've gone from, uh, let's just call it, all seven functions, let's call it, in one card, as in invoice, accounting, etc., to what you're doing now. Just give us an idea.
1: Yeah, so in, in the last two years, Spendesk was built on top of you know existing partners, right? Yeah. We would have an API, and we would basically call the API. The API would get give us a card number, and then that would be it, right? That's how it works at the beginning. allowed us to move really, really fast. And little by little, we had to innov- innovate more just in terms of payment methods, the way we generate cards, the type of cards that we generate as well. If we want to do credit, if we want to do you know, many things that we may want to do in the future or right now. And we've been doing a lot of work in the last two years to... Enable that, basically, moving away from traditional partners that we may have been using, and that included, yep. no spoiler again, but a lot of works in terms of refactoring our code base, uh, making sure that we can extract all our banking layers and everything into something that's separate and something that's easy to plug into whatever system we may want to have, whether it's an external one, a new one, whether it's one in the US or one in Europe as well. Yep. Um, and we've been investing a lot of time uh, in that. Nice. If that's what your question was about. Yeah, yeah.
0: No, that was so. Give us an overview of now um, last five years, and if you like, the two different areas of the business. Spendesk, what Spendesk, what they're really well known as initially, and in what you built the company on, and now where you've moved to. Just help us understand the overlay and some of the architecture towards that.
1: Yeah. So Spendesk was um, initially, it was just a SaaS tool like you would have for any yep. other sort of businesses that you use, right? Like Intercom or things like that. It's basically a big database with a beautiful interface on top of it, allowing you to do things with cards, right? That was the way we built it at the beginning. Um, and we built it with our mindset back then, um, which was like, hey, I'm a, I'm a, basically I'm a customer for anything. I'm paying for things at home, so I'm going to design the product so that businesses can pay like I can pay. Yeah, right. And that that doesn't work like it for businesses. And we we learned that way later down the road. But but that's basically what happened. So we designed that platform as a sort of a B2C new bank, neo-bank, like you can have at Revolut or N26. um, And we started building on top of that. And little by little, we realized that many of the things that we've built were actually completely naive um, of the bookkeeping world, of the accounting world. Everything that businesses need to pay and prove to governments When they buy something, Um, and so we had to remodel a whole ecosystem, a whole architecture, in order to um, move away from the B two C world and move into the B two B world, which basically is a B two B company. So a company that pays for something doesn't have one transaction; they have two different elements. The first element is what they pay. So what what is it that I'm buying? Right? Am I buying a service? Am I buying uh, I don't know something? Like a, an object, something from Amazon. What is it? What's the intent? What am I buying, and why am I buying it for? Just yep. the expense, and then they have the transaction, the actual settlement of the transaction when they pay. And these two things for you, it's at the same time, right? You buy, you pay instantly, and you get your order delivered. For businesses, it's not the same thing. You can order a lot of things from Amazon and pay two months later, but you still need these things to be in your accounting software for the month where you you actually bought them, right? And that's the kind of thing that we realized way later. And we had to change our whole architecture to make sure that we um, are allowed and and businesses that are using the platform are allowed to do bookkeeping and to pay as they see fit and not as if they are just a very little company of two or three people that is buying something exactly like you and I would buy something, right? So we had to redo this whole thing and something I was mentioning earlier around the bank and around making sure that we... Uh, we're able to get away from partners. Spendesk was built on top of partners. So yep. everything that would go into the bookkeeping part of Spendesk was, you know, just built on top of APIs, sometimes reliable, sometimes not. And so we were we started um investing in our own banking infrastructure as well. So separating the two systems, the one on the product, the interfaces, the way you do bookkeeping, accounting, the way you pay, and yep. then the back end of that in, of that interface, which is basically all the banking layer that is connected into um, the banking network that you may know, Visa, MasterCard, everything, banks. um, And that basically allows you to spend money with your card, do wire transfer and everything. So we started splitting these two, and we had to redo these two entirely, basically.
0: What have you learned along the way? Because you, you touch on a really good point at the start that you're essentially acting as a CTO. You uh, help look after technical direction and strategy. You've learned along the way, moving from a, a B2C mindset to a B2B B mindset. Okay. And, and everyone collectively has learned. What, what do you think are some of those real key learnings for you in that four-year shift
1: reflecting? I think one big thing that we've learned um, is... That the domain you're working with is important, right? So if you build Airbnb, for instance, you know how house rental works, right? It's easy. Anyone can relate to that. That's not necessarily easy to build everything, but it's, it's easy to understand how that specific contract or agreement will work, right? Yeah. And it's sort of easy to design it at the beginning, as long as you don't have a big, big, big database that you know forces you to do new things. Um, at Spendesk, it's very different. The domain that we're into, which is finance and bookkeeping we have no knowledge of, absolutely no knowledge of. We think we do because we know how to pay for things, but we we don't. You don't know how, probably, I don't know about you specifically, but people don't know how MasterCard works. People don't know what's a transaction, really. People don't know what a bookkeeping software is expecting from you. Um, And so learning the domain and spending a lot of time actually understanding uh, the world in which your customers are living, not necessarily in terms of the product, but really in terms of their what they do in their day-to-day, what's an accountant job, right? Mm -hmm. What's their problem? What do they, um, I don't know, what what tools do they need and everything? Usually it's a product job, but it's also an engineering job in our case, because if you understand what they do, the models that you're going to create, the database that you're going to build, the interface you're going to build as well, it's going to be tailored to what they need and not tailored to what you think they need, which is very different uh, in the end. As we've seen, we've lost two years remodeling our whole bookkeeping database and models, right? So definitely exploring the domain, making sure that you actually understand it uh, and you don't think you're understanding it as an engineer and also making sure your engineers, the new ones that you're hiring, are also investing time in, in learning that. Reading a bookkeeping book is, is annoying. So we had to create workshops and fun, fun ways for people to learn. But yeah, making sure every one of your engineers is ramping up on the accounting, on the financial models and understand the thing. It's, it's really important. And sometimes you don't have to do it because just you know it's just yeah. an obvious model. It's an obvious domain. Yeah. Uh, or your parents have done it or whatever. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's definitely something I would spend way more time exploring at the beginning of any new business that I'm starting tomorrow.
0: Nice. Okay. that That's a fantastic learning because it, it probably is easy to separate the product part, the banking infrastructure part. But what I'm hearing is that there, there's a mindset shift to really understanding the domain, some of the challenges at their debt to understand how do you build something better.
1: Yeah, and one thing that changed, one thing that made us change is when we hired our first accountant. Okay, And she came in, Eva, she came in and um, she looked at the product. She, She was using it a little bit in the past, but she was a little bit frustrated. But she decided to join us because she loved the vision we had for the product. And then she started giving us like um, you know accounting lessons and explaining to us how that things worked and that what whatever we were trying to do wouldn't work because as an accountant, she wasn't doing that, <laughs> right? Yeah. And she, yeah, she started giving us lessons every week, one hour a week, and then two hours a week. And then we we're like, what? We're learning so much from that. And it made the, the whole team product first, the product shifted first, the product team, the product managers, the product designers. And then the engineers were like, all right, now I understand what the customer is saying to me when they're angry on that call because something doesn't work, <laughs> right? I just built it the wrong way. So that okay. mindset shift was really interesting to see from the inside as well.
0: Nice. Okay.
1: So uh, a good bit of first-hand user experience there, really. Yeah. Yeah. So how nice. about user experience? But not, you know, we're all used to Revolut and Monzo and yep. Neobanks and it's always great and you have fantastic animations and the app is so free and it's just amazing experience, but that's not what businesses want. Yeah. The accountant doesn't care about the animation. They don't want that. Yeah. They want things to be filled Impressed. when they arrive on the platform. They want it to be clear. They want it to be extremely fast and um, it's just a completely different kind of user experience that they want. But it's all about listening to your customers. I think there is that in any startup book, but it's yeah. also valuable for engineers, not only for product managers. That's what we learn, basically. Yeah, really agree. Really agree. Uh,
0: talk to us a little bit about the the technology shift. Obviously, we've spoken about that that huge mindset shift, and Ava's obviously been really important in that as well. Good for her. Let's talk a little bit about the technology shift and the landscape of what maybe 2016 looked like. Maybe what you started to look like in 2020 as well. And where you are today. There's probably three areas. It might not be so easy to break them down that yeah. easily, but talk about just help us understand maybe that shift and where you've come
1: from. Yeah, to me, everything, every day is a new <laughs> shift in yeah, my exactly. mind, right? You're learning something new every day. Just try. Um, but just, just to give maybe a little bit of, um, of context about what we've done. So, Spendesk has been built on top of Node.js and and Backbone back in 2016. Um, we knew back then React existed and whatever, but the the first team, so it was freelancers. They built, you know, something in Backbone, so we're like, okay, let's go with it. Yeah. Um. And we built that whole product like you would do in 2012, basically, like the whole product in one big bundle that we would release and would take one hour, everything manually. Yeah. Um. And with a single database, right? And I think that's not a mistake per se because it allowed us to move really fast. But then we took too long to start splitting things around and moving things around, like just splitting the front end and the back end. Uh, took us three years because the first year it was okay, no need. The second year it was like, nah, it's going to take too long. We don't have time now. Just two, three engineers. Uh, And the third year was like, now it's going to take too long, but we don't have any other choice. We need to do it. And so we invested three months into splitting that whole code base. So I think that's the first ship, right? Realizing that, Whatever you've been doing and worked for the last two years, it may sound obvious when I say that, but when you are on the day-to-day planning your sprints and you always have a new feature to do, you always have a new bug to fix, you never plan for technical work at the beginning. You have five engineers. Why would, why would they work on technical things whereas they can create value for the customer, right? Yeah. Um, so that was the first shift, I think. Starting to split things around, starting to invest in quality more, uh, switching the code base to TypeScript as well um may sound funny now because no one is using javascript anymore but we were typescript wasn't the thing back then and yeah. so we started typing things um writing safer code writing tests and that also was a mindset shift for the team like we can't do dirty things anymore yeah um and the funny thing is that we pushed too much okay. so we had a period in 2020 where the team wouldn't accelerate on anything and take any shortcut just because we pushed so much the qualitative mindset where you need to do something that works extremely well that they always wanted to make sure the design was perfect and the code was perfect and we had a sound integration test to cover everything. And so basically, we ended up in a, be, being stuck, being really slow just because people wanted to uh, do things extremely well. So we we had to backtrack a little bit. But that's the, probably the first shift that we had. Mm-hmm. And then the second shift was like, okay, now we split the back end, we split the front end, we have, Invested in TypeScript. We've typed everything. We've tested everywhere. We have a CI that works great. Yep. We have metrics and monitoring everywhere. What's the new problem? Why are we still slow? And why do we still have bugs? And why do we still have performance issues like any other SaaS product? Yeah. And ends up being, you know, you've built everything. It's a single backend or two backends, right? And you have 45, 50 engineers working on this. Single backend mm. and even though it works because it was well designed internally and people are working on on separate packages and everything is still one single code base mm-hmm. um, and one single CI one thing you need to deploy you know everyone working on the same code base so we started being like okay we need to split all these things we need to make sure that every team is able to deploy independently whatever they're going to be mm-hmm. working on and so we started and that was also with the banking side you know we need to split all the banking infrastructure work into something separate. We can't put any banking-related things uh, with the security we need, with the reliability we need in the middle of our very big two-million-lines code base. (laughs) It's not going to work. So we started investing a lot in that at the beginning of 2020. Uh, Still an ongoing project because you don't do a complete rebuild and a complete refactoring of the code base in six months, especially a code base like that um but yeah that's what we started doing in uh, in 2020 and now that's where we are in the in the middle <laughs> well let's see i i
0: really like that first part where you um thought your efforts around cicd uh test coverage or a good testing strategy would actually get you to deploy quicker, but it actually made things a lot slower. It's quite an interesting mindset from three years, we're a startup, we're as lean as anything, let's package something together, get it out the door, to three years down the line where there was just a huge backlog of things probably uh, that you needed to deploy and get into production. That's quite an interesting shift from introducing quality into the teams. And it's nice to see where you are now, obviously, you know being approved your own banking license in 2020 which is great and obviously doing your own things around banking infrastructure there's this there's this nice pattern forming where do you think some of these challenges might come in the next 1 2 years what are you all foreseeing
1: yeah um so you know getting a banking license is it's just the beginning right um but then you have to operate your own bank, you have to operate your own product. You just proved to whatever administration in your, is in your country yep. that you are worth doing some banking stuff, but now you need to do it, right? Yep. Um, building a bank and building a banking infrastructure is really different from building a SaaS product because you, on a SaaS product, you can have a beta, right? You can have your, your customers trying things and then they're going to have some bugs, like the last iOS release, right? We all have some performance issues with it. Spotify yep. is now closing every day. Um, but that's, that's fine. We have bugs. It's a beta. Fine, let's go. Um, you can't do that with banking. You can't release a beta version of your card acceptance um, algorithm, right? Yeah. It doesn't work because if you have a bug on your you transaction stupid, acceptance yeah. criteria, it's not going to be working. So one of the big things that we have to do is to make sure we can balance the work on the product and the work on the bank and have the right investments on quality, on processes, on... Um, testing in both of them and they are not the same. So mm-hmm. just something we can say, let's let's write a ton of unit tests or end-to-end tests everywhere. It's going to be great. No, you can't. You can't do the same thing for the bank and for the product because you don't have the same needs. Yeah. Same in terms of performance. On the yeah. product, if your query takes, I don't know, 280 milliseconds to complete or, or 340, that's fine. No one will notice the 60 milliseconds gap. But on the banking side, if you don't answer to MasterCard in less than 300 milliseconds, then they consider that your payment failed. So okay. these 60 milliseconds are no a very big problem that you need to solve because you need to run a certain algorithm within these 300 milliseconds, right? So I think one of the big challenges that we're going to have is that is, is finding the right balance between the two, uh, the product and the banking infrastructure and finding the right strategy for both of them, knowing that it's different. Yeah. Um, and having developers switch from one to the other. Of course, we're trying to have um, some developers sticking around for a long time. But you still need to switch, you still need to hire people. And how do we explain, train, uh, onboard, and make sure that their life is great even on the bank, right, um, in the next year? I think that's going to be a, a, hard, a hard challenge for us with the growth of the company, the growth of the team as well.
0: For sure. Uh, but from what I hear, you've learned how understanding the product the the business logic as well, at at the start, and you even mentioned yourself, if I was to go and do a startup again, in effect, this is kind of like that, a startup within a startup, so to speak, then understanding some of those challenges initially, if you can really truly try and understand them where you can, you'll learn along the way for sure, then that will probably put you in really good stead as well. You mentioned, obviously, under 300 milliseconds, Needs to be done; otherwise, transaction fails. Things like that. Obviously, yeah. you have to go and do that to get your banking license approved initially, but there'll be lots of things I'm sure you'll learn from a technical perspective.
1: Yeah, and we, we, I mean, we invested so much time in just you know understanding the banking domain. Yeah, and a, a banking infrastructure is basically seven services, seven domains, seven subdomains. Call, yeah. call them how you want; doesn't matter seven subdomains and uh, understanding each one of them and what Mm -hmm. we need to build because like banking accounting is not the same thing as business accounting and I didn't know that no one knew that right Uh, our accountant didn't know that right she has to train herself on banking accounting because for whatever reason we can't do it the same way Um, that's the kind of thing where we invested a lot more time and I think if we started if we started by the bank yeah we wouldn't have been in a position to build it correctly just because we would have we wouldn't have had the, the just the reflex of trying to understand everything, so we would have built it in the wrong way, and then because of the constraint, like the 300 milliseconds, but we have tons of others, like being able to replay a whole flow over the course of three months, a whole flow of events. Um, that's the kind of things we would have never been able to do because we wouldn't have had the context, right? So we would have done it wrong, and then we would have had to rebuild the whole bank. Yeah, um, would have been a problem, definitely.
0: What What do you think? What, what do you think the plan is for building that bank? And it'd be interesting to understand maybe what was the, the business mindset shift if you're privy to some of this information where you're obviously being four years into your journey and thought, actually, we should build our own bank because of A, B and C. That might be quite useful to explore if you know some of that information. Yeah, I hope I know why we are spending millions. <laughs> building a I hope <laughs> so. True.
1: That's my budget. <laughs> um, now, to, jokes aside, um, there are two two main reasons. Uh, one thing is that when you build a business, you want to start fast, so you're building on top of other businesses yep. that may be reliable or not. You don't know. Um, and when the business is 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 growing and growing really fast, like Spendesk is, we were. Five people five years ago, now it's like 350 people and so many customers everywhere in the world. Uh, we can't afford to take risks on our partners, even though they may be great. That's not the question. But relying a whole European mm-hmm. um, um, card payments and transfers onto a single partner is too risky for us to operate, right? Yeah. We have to have some kind of control over the infrastructure, the SLAs, the banking. So one thing is making sure the business and our customers especially and their experience is not at risk because if you lose one of your banking partners, I don't know, something happens um, and the company isn't able to operate anymore. It takes three months just to make sure that you can have another partner, set up everything, ship the cards and you have so many cards to ship to everywhere, uh, physical ones, but also virtual ones. Um, And it's just impossible, right? And there there was this problem with Wirecard uh, six months ago where Wirecard lost their license for two days. And it was a catastrophe for for all the companies that were using it. Like we were, we weren't using Wirecard, we were using another one, but we are all looking at people. And in two days, we had like 200 or 250 leads from customers churning from these companies Mm -hmm. and being like, sorry, I I can't use their product anymore. I love them, they're great, (laughs) but I can't use their product anymore. So that's a risk we wouldn't be able to take. And the other is, you know, business is business. A partner is expensive. So margins are really low because of, they're not really low, but they're lowered by the fact that we have uh, a partner, right? Because they're costing a lot of money and they're taking a little share of everything that we do. Yeah. So it's something that's really important for us because we want to grow aggressively not growth for growth, but just growth because we know we're providing a, sell, um, a product that people need and we want to make sure that as many people can get it as possible. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, it's, it's also very important for us to save money in the end. So we will invest a lot in our own infrastructure. We'll de-risk um, uh, the product for our customers and we will also uh, make more money in the end. So it's a, it's a win-win for us, right? Yeah, okay. The, the de-risk part
0: makes a million percent. I know anyway, yeah. um, you know, people use multiple payment providers anyway, or businesses will diversify, use multiple payment providers um for that yeah, reason it's... specifically. Makes sense.
1: And another another thing that you you look at, like Spendesk raised a hundred million euros uh, a few a few months back. Yeah. And that's a lot of money, huge amount. Yeah. So you can invest a lot of this money into research and development and everything. Yeah. But a partner like a banking partner would invest into making sure that on their thousands of customers, 80% yeah. of them are happy. But we may be in the 20% that don't need the features that they're going to build. Whereas with the money we have now, we can innovate in the payment ecosystem specifically for our use cases. Yeah, And that's also something that we didn't have before. We didn't have the means to do that, but now we have them. So we also want to innovate faster and make sure we innovate where we need to innovate. Whereas a partner doesn't have any incentive innovate for a specific use case yeah we don't have apple pay on our cards right now because our partners don't want to have apple pay okay whereas we want apple pay (laughs) yeah because we don't want to ship plastic cards across the world it's not green it's not ecological it takes a lot of time costs a lot of money it's just bad right so if you can generate a card on your phone and then apple pay for everything that works well kind of innovation that we will build yeah others won't
0: right yeah that makes sense cool We've spoken about um, speed and latency, you know, specifically in the transaction part. What other engineering challenges? And I, I can imagine one around reliability and resiliency is going to come with building your own banking license. <laughs> Talk to us a little bit about um, maybe some planning or design that was put in place in twenty twenty, thinking about building this.
1: Yeah. Um, so you know, reliability is important for the bank, but it's also important for the product because your customers, yep. your users, they don't know that your product is not the bank. Yeah. You know, they are, they are transferring money and they see it in the product. So for them, the product is the bank. So if your button is weird, then they're going to be like, is my money weird as well? Like, yeah. do, do I really have this amount? Yeah. <laughs> see what I mean? So reliability is important <laughs> everywhere. Um, in terms of architecture, something I mentioned earlier is around... Um, making sure that we can reproduce everything, everything that happened on the platform at any point in time, and reproduce all the events that are happening. Um, mm. You know, it's it's like the blockchain. Basically, we are not we are not blockchain based or anything, but everything finance is is basically some sort of blockchain, right? Okay. You have a lot of things that are happening one after another, and if they are happening in a different order, so then it's not the same thing anymore yeah bookkeeping is 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 ordered right a transaction that happened on day one will come up before a transaction that happened on day two and there is a link between them and you know that's all the kind of thing that that uh, is important for us to have and so we had to start redesigning our platform in order to um be more event based than it was and make sure that we were storing these events yeah um and make sure we we had the right procedures to replay these events and the whole chain of events in order to end up with a specific um, model and a specific, yep. uh, you know, result, yep. right? And so we've moved a lot of things and a lot of our core systems into event sourcing. That's not something that I, I personally would put everywhere. It has a lot of complexity, like most most people know it. Uh, but when you discover it, you're like, ah, that's great, that's amazing. This, this technology is going to enable me to do everything. Yeah, it's, it's extremely complex, right? Because you have a, a very big list of events that are going to happen, and then you need to recompute your model into something um, that you want to display on your UI as a very simplified version, yep. and you're like, how do I how do I do that? And you have two options: like either you recompute everything on the fly, or you have some sort of projection table that is going to be synchronized, and then you are yep. going to have sync problems. And just the kind of things that we had to put a lot of thoughts in, like how do you do that effectively at scale, while knowing that you're managing customers' money, so you can't have it wrong, right? Yep. You can't display the data from like five minutes ago; it doesn't work. Makes right? sense. Um, so the sort of investment we had to make on top of the, you know, investing in Kubernetes, splitting all that monoliths, making sure we had services everywhere. We're not big into microservices. We're more macroservices people. You know, I like to have probably one service or two for three engineers, right? Okay. Rather than one serv- rather than five services for one engineer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, investing in Kubernetes and everything and all that event infrastructure as well uh, around that, both for the product and for the banks with different use cases, of course. But both—that's one of the main shifts that we've done. One of the main technology investment that we are doing at the moment, and also training the team to think in events as well, okay. which is different than thinking in relational databases, right? Okay. Um,
0: two questions in there. Macro services, Talk to us about <laughs> that because everyone's talking about. Everyone talks about microservices. J- just talk to us yeah, about yeah. your mindset there. I like that. And after my next question would be, before I forget it, would be, how do you train people to think in events? What what are
1: your ideas behind that? Yeah, so microservices, uh, I think I don't think it's something that exists really, right? You don't have a book called microservices, it, but it's it's basically the the microservices and the the. Mindset behind it is just that we need to split things into smaller, more manageable components, right? That's the whole logic about it. And there there are a lot of things, a lot of philosophy behind that, a lot of books that have been written by a lot of people that are way better engineers than me about how you should do this right. But And I don't think this is wrong, having microservices or anything. Mm. What's important is the size of the services. It's like everything else. If you have some pieces of codes that are quite small and quite manageable, it's great. Like like in the code base, like in a file, if you have small functions, it's manageable. But if you are trying to build smaller and smaller function all the time, so they do one or two or three lines in the end, and each of them does a very specific thing, then you end up being like, okay, I need to combine three functions in order to build something. So I'm going to build a fourth function that's going to combine these three functions into one. And so I'm going to be able to do whatever I have to do. It's the same thing that happens with microservices, right? Yep. You end up with a, a Kubernetes uh, platform. If you don't design it well, you end up with a Kubernetes platform where you have a thousand services uh, that are extremely small, that are basically, I don't know, handing one or two models at most. Every time you have to ag- aggregate something, you can't. It's just, it's just too small everywhere. So you have to be the full service that's going to aggregate the three others and act as some sort of gateway. You know, we have so many gateways everywhere. Yeah. Right? You're supposed to have one between your front end and your back end, right? Yeah. And now we have... A thousand, because we need big gateways everywhere. And that's basically where this comes from. It's like you need to have the right size uh, in order for it to be manageable by the team, in order for your engineers to know every service that they have in their scope, uh, in order for things to be doing what they need to be doing without having to calling 50 others' um, services, right? And that's basically why we talk about microservices. It's (laughs) because we want to make sure that people don't understand build it as small as you can, but they understand build it as small as you need. Right. And it's very different. Yeah. So we build it it
0: sensibly. I I, I think sensibly, but I'm non-technical. Think about the domain.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, thinking about the domain. Yeah. We do a lot of domain-driven design here, It's like, you know, starting from the domain and building your services based on these domains. And that, that has helped us, tremendously but even doing domain-driven design you can still split them too much okay. so um yeah, it's important to train the team to think about the aggregates and okay i'm going to okay. do this and i'm going to do that so that's one service and that's two you can always split more later whereas yeah. it's really hard to combine yeah do, does this
0: mindset coincide with the um how do you train your engineers to think in events mindset as well or, or are they slightly separated do you think
1: I think it's separated because building services and and finding the right number and the right uh, scope for each service is, is architecture. You know, it's it's designing things. It's abstraction. Yeah. Thinking in events is just it's it's gymnastics. You know, it's it's just a different way of thinking things. Like when exactly. Node arrived, and Node was asynchronous. So basically, you would do something, write two lines, and the second line would be executed before the first line. Yeah, and that was the most. I don't know. It fuck, fucked up my mind. You know, it was like, what? What's happening? <laughs> um, and, and it's just gymnastic. You have to get used to it, right? Yeah. You have to have someone who knows how to do things that explains to you how to do them. And then you have to practice. The same thing with events, right? Thinking yeah. about okay. event sourcing and CQRS is just not just about reading something on the internet being like, oh, that's great. I'm going to do that. No, it's having yeah. someone who's already done it. Luckily, we had some people um, having someone who's already done it. Technical foresight. Spending time sorry. with you. Yeah. Pair programming with you. Reviewing your PR, making sure that they basically teach you everything they know. It's a lot of one-to-one mentoring to make sure that you are getting little by little, you're getting better and better until you finally have the click where you understand whatever you're doing, right? All right. Now I get it. I didn't get it before. Now I get it.
0: Yeah. That's the most important thing. Uh, I get it, by the way. I get (laughs) that now. Gymnastics.
1: And I mean, you know, the, the curve
0: I'm thinking gymnastics
1: yeah but it's 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 the curve I don't know if you know this curve it's basically the learning curve about anything where you have a very steep curve into thinking that you know something and then you have the moment where you realize that you don't yeah and then it's uh it's <laughs> it's a fall until you're like okay now I really don't understand anything I'm gonna start learning it correctly and then yeah. you have this long linear curve uh that goes up right and so we want to have them move as fast as we can uh up the first curve and then we accompany them you know in the linear one. Love it. Which okay. the, the most dangerous thing is when you are on top of the of the first one because you're like all right I know everything I'm going to build it and then you build it wrong. Yeah. Uh dangerous
0: but useful around the right people and in the right setting as well definitely. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Talk to us a little bit about next year and what we might see next year and connect that to growth as well. You've got your 100 million, okay? There'll be people listening that potentially are interested in Spendesk from an engineering standpoint that might want to reach out, might want to come and join, etc. So just give us a quick overview of what twenty twenty two might look like.
1: Yeah. It's um well it's not only about twenty twenty two because the, the plan that we're running now is on three years. Um yeah. we're thinking a bit longer term because we're we're bigger and we need to write now. Yeah. Um Well one thing that to understand about spend is that the technical strategy is is highly linked to the product strategy everything comes down to what are we building in terms of product and how do we create a technical strategy that goes along and and basically makes us build that product strategy faster and execute that product strategy faster our product strategy at Spendesk is to build a model it's it's very hard to sell finance tool to finance people even though we do it like a lot of other other companies but it's very hard to sell a bank or a transaction tool to a finance team, right? So lot of discussions, we have to convince them that you're a safe partner and everything. And what SpendDesk wants to invest in is basically making sure that we can um, not have to convince the finance team to join Spendesk because what everything that they need will already be on SpendDesk. So they need to collect invo- invoices. How do we make invoices appear on Spendesk even before they have a SpendDesk account, right? How do we reach out to employees, build them a tool that's going to collect their invoices automatically everywhere and be like, all right, now you can have this tool. It's going to collect your invoices and we're going to ping your finance team to make sure that, you know, they can come and spend this, can get the the invoices, right? The whole product strategy that we have now is to switch from sales driven growth into product led growth. I just gave an example of product led growth, but it's how do we build our product? How do we change our product? So that growth come from, comes from the value that customers are finding into it, and not from a customer success manager calling the customer and be like, "Hey, you have two more users. Do you want to pay more?" Of yeah. course not. No one wants to pay more. But yeah. if you have more value, or you can unlock more value, then yes, you want to pay more, right? And um, so that's most of the product strategy is around developing that product-led growth approach. You know, changing the product, creating that great experience that people are wishing to see when they want to see more value in the product. Uh, and for that, we need, yeah, to make sure that we have our bank, make sure we have our, our core services that are robust, that our tech stack is solid, right? So everything is fast. Everything is a good experience, basically, for our users. And also making sure that we are interconnected with the world, right? Making sure that spenders can be plugged into any tool that you need to plug it into because we have so much valuable data that we can use of course, we can use it ourselves with data scientists and machine learning. We have a lot of these things going around right now for insights, for fraud detection, all these things, but also other companies can use it. Your accounting software, of course, but also your OS system, also your forecasting systems. You know, everything, like SaaS management softwares connect, are connecting to Spendesk right now in order yep. to get the transaction and fuel data into what they provide, you know? Um, so that's going to be most of the product strategy. And the technical strategy is going to come and support that, right? So we'll be hiring probably 100 people in the next 12 months. It's going to be a very fast growth that we need to be able to... I want to keep the culture intact, right? So if we need to slow down the growth, we need to slow down the growth. But this is probably what we will uh, come up to. So we will be looking for a lot of people definitely in order to uh, help with that product-led growth approach, right? Making sure we transform that product into something that... It's basically creating value and sells itself because it's creating value,
0: right? Okay, so product and engineering people. Uh, just quickly on the engineering front, that's where our listener base is. Uh, are you wedded to a particular stack, or is there an agnostic nah. mindset? Like, just give us an idea of what what sorts of people you might look for. No,
1: nah. a great you know a great software engineer is a great software engineer. Whereas you do Python, JavaScript, Node. So we are, we are in TypeScript. Um, all of our services, except the data, everything around machine learning and data is in Python. But other than that, we are in TypeScript. Yep. Um, that's something we want to keep around. We have built so much tooling uh, around TypeScript right now and around our services and everything. It's just so fast for us to move. Uh, the experience, the developer experience is, is, is great as well. We've been doing some hackathon, trying other things. Of course, it's great, and we will still be doing it, but the main services are in TypeScript. Um so it's just the only thing that people have to know. If you want to do Haskell or Rust, uh, yeah. you can every six months during the hackathon, but it's not something we work on every day. Yeah. Uh, gotcha. but as long as you're comfortable using TypeScript, whatever you've done before. If you've done Java, if you've done mobile, if you've done whatever, uh, we'll still welcome you. <laughs> no problem. Yeah, good. Um, just good. the technical background and the mindset as well, you know, the, the, the who you are as a human being. Do you want to collaborate with people? Are you are you a mentor? If you do you like mentoring? This is the kind of things that we will be looking for more than have you done TypeScript, right? If you've done Java, it's great as well. Based in Paris? Not really. We're hiring everywhere. Okay. Um, I have, have some, some people in Paris right now. We have offices in Berlin and London, but I'm, I've i been hiring a guy who is in Turkey, um, another guy in Poland right now. We have people in the Czech Republic as well, in the US. Awesome. Just everywhere. As awesome. long as you can work in the country you're in, we're fine. Perfect.
0: Okay, well, for everyone listening, um, I think you've had 40 minutes of an awesome pod where you've listened to uh, an unbelievable journey over the last five years. And they're going to do some awesome stuff over the next three years. You've heard it right here. So uh, from any background, shapes, sizes, if you've got the right mentality that Lucas has mentioned, being product led, being passionate, mentoring people thinking about good system design, whatever else, then come and talk to these guys and girls. Links are below, um, so you can check out Luke's link in the description and reach out to him. Don't bombard him. Be gentle. Um, Reach out on the careers page as well, or anyone else in the teams, maybe that hire engineers. Uh, I just want to say a big thanks. Good luck for the next year. Good luck for the next three years. You've been awesome. Um, It's an awesome insight and deep dive into what you're doing more about the products the evolution so i just want to say a big thanks
1: yeah thank you for inviting me that's all that's all thanks to the, the hat man
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: it is all thanks to the hat the patagonia <laughs>
0: um yeah thank you and for everyone else listening uh, a like share subscribe All the links are below so you can check out Lucas, the teams, what they're doing, and other associated links that we'll probably put together and enjoy. Thanks a lot.
1: Thank you, Iliad.
0: Hey, guys. Thanks for watching this episode. Uh, Massively appreciate you listening and checking in with us. If you want to find out more about us and what we're doing, please check us out on social media. What we're trying to do at Engineers is build a community to drive knowledge, sharing, and experiences. On Twitter, we can be found at engineers.io. It's no underscore. We've also got a website, which is engineers.io. These links will all be posted in the description. Any feedback and comments are massively appreciated. We're always looking to improve on where we can. Thanks, guys.